well. God bless you today. I pray that he keep you as well. We are going to continue and actually finalize our series in the Summer of Songs. And so next week we're going to jump back into the rest of Judges. And we gave you a little break on that one. We'll jump back into that, finish that out. So today is the last song that we wanted to look at. And that was that song, The Goodness of God. And so uh, I hope you were blessed by these songs and ultimately God's Word as we were challenged by the way we uh, hold fast to our God in all things. If you think about it, there was kind of a theme of all the songs is that uh, we can trust God. We know He is faithful. We know that He is good. We know that He loves us. And those are the songs that we sang, like victory in Jesus. And we realize that we have victory in Christ because of what Christ did on the cross. And we looked at because He lives. We looked at great are you. And we looked at... Uh, other songs to help us to remember how awesome our God is. And we're going to do that again today as we look at this song, in particular as we look at Scripture, because God is good and faithful, is He not? Let me try that one again. Our God is good and faithful. Amen? Amen. Yes. And so we want to look at that today and remind ourselves of this truth so that we can hold on to Him. This song, The Goodness of God, was written before the pandemic, but it became somewhat of an anthem during the pandemic, particularly at our house, where we sang again and again, uh, you're, uh, we love you, God, you are faithful. All my life you've been faithful, right? That God is good. And it became uh, a reminder to us that though the world is in craziness, though the world is in turmoil, the Lord is still good. And we can hold on to Him, love Him, cling to Him in all this. It's a constant reminder that all my life, Lord, You have been faithful. And that's something we need to keep in front of ourselves beyond this series, beyond this pandemic, uh, in, in our lives to remind ourselves, yes, the world is crazy. The, the things happening around us are, are hardly ever in our control, but the Lord is good and in control, and He is faithful. We see Moses implore the Lord to reveal His goodness again to His people, to remind them again of how good he is. And we see this in Exodus chapter 33. Would you turn there now as we look at God's Word in the Old Testament, particularly in how he was revealing himself to his chosen people he rescued out of Egypt along their journey. Would you read with me there in Exodus chapter 33? And if you would, out of honor of God's Word, uh, would you, if you are able, would you stand Moses said to the Lord, Look, you have told me, lead this people up, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. You said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor with me. Now, if I have indeed found favor with you, please teach me your ways, and I will know you that I may find favor with you. Now consider that this nation is your people. And he replied, 
My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. If your presence does not go, Moses responded to him, don't make us go up from here. How will it be known that I and your people have found favor with you unless you go with us? I and your people will be distinguished by this from all other people on the face of the earth. The Lord answered Moses, I will do this very thing you have asked, for you have found favor with me, and I know you by name. And then Moses said, Please let me see your glory. And he said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim the name the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. But he added, you cannot see my face, for humans cannot see me and live. The Lord said, here's a place near me. You are to stand on the rock. You are to stand on the rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in the crevice of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand away, and you will see my back, but my face will not be seen. You may be seated. We're going to see about the goodness of God today, but we've got to understand what's happening around in this context of this passage. As you know, God had done so many things for his people. He led them by cloud by day, fire by night. His very presence was in their midst. We see just before this that the presence of God met with Moses in the form of the cloud and that when he went into the tent, the cloud came and settled there. And so the Bible says that Moses saw him face to face in that way. God had done so many things for this people. He rescued them out of slavery, out of bondage. He helped them to escape across the Red Sea. He made it as if it were dry land for them to walk through on. He delivered them in so many ways. And how did they repay the favor? Disobedience. Seeking after evil things. Seeking after things that were not God or that were cheap substitutes for him. While Moses, and we see in chapter uh, 32, while Moses was on the mountain receiving the very word of God in the form of the Ten Commandments, The people had grown weary because it had been 40 days. They'd grown tired. They wanted to worship something. And so they said, hey, let's bring all of our gold together and let's make a golden calf and worship that. You see that God had done so many things for them, but they went back and reverted back to the thing they had known for 400 and something years by living in the land of Egypt where everyone worshipped gold graven images. And so they tried to substitute, a cheap substitute for God Almighty. And so we see in this passage and just before that they had forgotten who he was. And God says, listen, you can go to the land I promised you. You can go and you can have your feast and your fill, but I am not going with you because you are a stiff-necked people that continue to turn away from me. And what we see here in the passage we read is Moses imploring the Lord, Lord, you have been faithful. All our lives you have been faithful. Don't stop showing us your goodness again. Show us 
who you are. This is your people. We have favor in your eyes. We cannot go unless you go. And God heard Moses' cry. That's the beauty. They had done wrong. They had turned away. And Moses implored God to remember his faithfulness, to remember his goodness, to remember his kindness toward them, to remember his favor. And when God heard Moses' cry, he turned toward them again. Isn't that beautiful? That though we fail, though we falter, Though we turn to the left and to the right, oftentimes when we come before the Lord and say, Lord, we need your goodness. We need your favor. We need your presence. The Lord is faithful again. The Lord is good again. The Lord is loving again. The Lord is kind again. When we come to God in humility, He turns His heart toward us. May we never forget that because chances are we will fail again. We will falter again. We will live a way that is not the way the Lord wants us to again. But may we be humble. May we repent. May we turn. And may He be gracious to us. Moses knew that the goodness of God would allow him and them to know God in his favor again. And that's our first point, is that the goodness of God lets us know God and his favor. Look at verses 12 and 13. We see this expressly there. Moses said to the Lord, Look, you've told me, lead this people up, but you've not let me know who will sin with us. Remember, God said, I'm not going. And so Moses is like, well, who is? Because uh, you have said, you know by name, and... Um, you know me by name, and I found favor with you. And so if I found favor with you, teach me your ways. Help me to know you, because I want you there. I don't want anyone else. I want to know that you are with me, and your favor is with me. And so because of the goodness of God, we can know God's goodness and who God is, and we can know His favor. Not just that he knows us, not just that even he knows us by name, but that he has given us his favor. That he looks at us and loves us and gives us what we could never earn and deserve on our own. The favor of God is something you can't attain to. The favor of God is something he gives us simply because he loves us and because we are his people, and because he is good. So have you been stiff-necked, to use the term in the Scripture? Have you been stubborn, stuck your ground, and say, Lord, I want to live my life my way? It's not too late. Repent, come to the Lord in humility, and the Lord will hear you and reveal his favor 
to you. The second thing we see here is that the goodness of God lets us know God's presence. God heard Moses' cry, and he answered with compassion. And he said, not only do I know your name, not only is my favor with you, but he says, my presence will be with you. I will go with you. And then he says, I'll give you rest. And he continues in verses 14 through 17, helping us to see uh, all that's about the. Moses says, if your presence does not go, don't make us go up from here. How will it be known that I and your people have found favor with you unless you go with us? I and your people will be distinguished by this from all the other people on the face of the earth. The thing that distinguishes you and I from everyone else is that we have God with us. We have His presence with us. Because of God's goodness, we can know His presence. Does the Lord feel distant to you today? Does the Lord seem far off? He did not change. We did. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Lord does not change. His goodness is as good as it has ever been. The problem is, is that we, in our own stubbornness, in our stiff-neckedness, in our own desires, in our own selfishness, from time to time, turn our eyes away. It's like, it's like Peter when... When he said, Lord, teach me to walk on the water with you. Remember that? And, and the Lord allowed Peter to step out onto the water and walk with Jesus. And as long as Peter's eyes were focused on him, he did not fail. But as soon as he looked away and saw the distractions coming at him in the forms of, form of waves, as soon as he took his eyes from the Lord, that's when he began to sink. And that's true in our lives. We need to know the presence of God, and that means we continue. He didn't change. We did. We took our eyes off. We need to continue to keep our hearts and eyes tuned to the Lord. This does not come by you in your own strength becoming sinless. You cannot become sinless in your own strength. You and I need the Lord to keep us from sin, to keep us tuned to Him, to keep our eyes on Him and not on the things that want to uh, take our eyes off of Him. And remember, the God, the God of goodness, Jesus Christ, God Almighty is good, and He wants you to come to Him humbly. It may be that you simply say, Lord, forgive me. Let me know your goodness in my life. It may be that you, in a way that, Paul, that, that Moses even said, if you won't go with me, I don't want to go. I need you, Lord. I need you here with me. The third thing that we see is that the goodness of God lets us know God's glory and goodness cover us. Moses, upon hearing that the presence of the Lord would be with him, decided to get a little more bold in his request. And he said, Lord, I want to see your glory. 
I want to see your essence. I want to see everything there is to know about you. If your presence is with me, then I want to experience it fully. I really want to see you, feel you, know you. Have you ever been in that moment? You just want more of the Lord? You're not satisfied with what you've seen. Remember, Moses had sat, out, sat inside the tent and the cloud, of God, the cloud of God's presence sat there with him and saw him face to face. But Moses says, that's not enough. I want more of you, Lord. I want to know you more. I want more of your presence, more of your favor. I want to see your glory. And then God gives him his request, but in a very interesting way. He says, listen, you got to come over here. You can't look upon my face because no man has been able to do that and live. What I want you to do is I want you to stand on this rock right here. I paused and read that a second time because I think there's spiritual significance to that, that you and I, to experience fully the presence of God, must stand on the rock of Christ. And God said, when I pass by you in all my goodness and all my glory, I'm going to push you into that rock. And friends, we need to be pushed into the rock that is Christ, hid in Christ in the cleft of the rock. And then the glory passed by him and the, Moses was able to experience something amazing. The more of the Lord you get the more of the Lord you want. Not just knowing about him. Not just him knowing your name. Not even sitting in uh, this uh, amazing tent where the presence of God is close by and you're speaking to him. But, but when you really know his presence, when you really lean into him, when you're really hid in the rock that is Christ, the closer you get to his presence, the closer his presence invades your life. So in an Old Testament passage like this, it's very easy for, for us to get caught up in that moment alone. But there's spiritual significance to it. Uh, that's the old covenant, the old promise, the Old Testament. But in Christ, Christ, remember Christ came and he established a new covenant. And so... How do we see that? I've already alluded to it a little bit, the fact that we need to stand on the rock. We need to be hid in the rock that is Christ. But I think that the Holy Spirit is the presence of God for you and I. And that we, if we are in Christ, we are hid in Christ. And therefore, we can experience the glory of the Lord, not in full, but in part, until we see Him face to face in glory. And that the goodness of Jesus is what covers us. But I want you to see how Paul helped a group of Christians understand what was going on in this passage. This is 1 Corinthians 10. You can flip there if you want to. It's, it'll be short. So listen. Now, I do not want you, this is Paul speaking to the Corinthian church, I do not want you to become unaware, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud. Remember, we, we, we talked about that. that. That was that cloud by day, fire by night. They were all under the cloud, all passed through the Red Sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, 
They were ate the same spiritual food and they all drank the same spiritual drink for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them since they were struck down in the wilderness. And now these things took place as examples for us. So all these things took place. Their disobedience, their willingness to turn left and right so that it would be an example to you and I. Listen to this. So that we will not desire evil things as they did. Paul continues on and he says in verse 13, he says, No temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity, but God is faithful. And he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with temptation, he will also provide a way out so that you may be able to bear it. So what we see is what happened with Moses and the the Israelites and all that they were facing was meant to help us to see the goodness that Christ accomplished, that Christ brought, that Jesus came and accomplished for you and me, that righteousness is not in our grasp on our own, that we are dependent upon the rock that is Christ. And we must stand on it and be hid in it and be covered by the goodness of Jesus so that we can keep our eyes on him, so that we won't turn away to evil desires. Remember, that was the example that Paul said, this is an example to you so that you won't turn to the left or right, that you won't desire evil as they did, but that you and I would desire Christ, that we would desire Jesus, that we would desire his presence, that we would desire to know him fully, truly, deeply, that we would want more of him because we've experienced some of him. And so there's a way to respond to this. There's several ways. Perhaps you're here today, maybe online or maybe even in this room, and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your rock. You never placed your faith in Christ, and so you've never stood on that rock. You've never been hidden in the rock that is Christ, the cleft of the rock. You've never been covered by his goodness. And I would say, friends, in humility as Moses did, if you would implore the Lord today to forgive you of your sins, to hide you in the cleft of the rock, and for Jesus Christ to save you and to come into your life and be your rock, if you were to do that today, he would answer just as God answered Moses when he came and implored the Lord in humility. So that's you today online here, and you would like to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior in humility. Come to him and say, Lord, I need you. Forgive me. Save me. Cover me. And he will. He will answer. But I would say there's another way to respond a way in which we can all respond. Whether you've been a Christian for 80 years or eight years, where you've been 
going to church all your life or you just stepped in if, uh, uh, the door today. We all need Christ. We can't do this in our own strength. And He wants us to desire Him more and desire the things of this world less. I don't know about you, but I, uh, I'm the pastor and I need that. And you might be holier than me, and, and, and you, you, you probably are. Because what I understand and, tr- and understand more and every day, I can't be holy. I depend upon His holiness. I can't be good enough to earn the favor of God. He's got to give that to me. Not dependent upon me. That's true of all of us. So how do we respond today? Take a moment and say, Lord, how should I respond? How should I respond to you today? And I think you'll answer us. And it could be that He's mean, he means for you to pray a prayer right where you are. It could mean that he wants you to make a declaration of that. A definitive moment to say, I'm drawing a line in the sand and I'm desiring the Lord today, depending upon the Lord today, trusting the Lord today. It may be that he's asking you, like Moses, to say, Lord, if I don't have you, I don't want anything else. I don't want to go anywhere else. I don't experience anything else unless you are with me. And so I say today, I need you. However God is leading you in this moment, don't worry about me. Don't worry about the person to your left or to your right. Worry about your relationship with the Lord. However he's leading you, let that guide you as you respond. Let that lead you. Maybe, maybe today you're saying, hey, I've, our family's got to get into church. Our family's got to join a church, get connected. We'd love to start that conversation with you. I don't know. But listen to him. Let's take just a moment, the, just a moment of silence. The worship team is going to come to get ready to sing. Just bow your heads and ask that Lord this simple prayer. Lord, how do you want me to respond. What do you want me to do? And then I'll pray in a moment and we'll sing. And however the Lord leads you, listen. Lord, we pause before you now, Lord. Speak to us.